We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. Uh, and uh, this is the show where we would normally go over yesterday's slate. This is a short three-game NBA slate. And talk a little bit about today's slate. Normally, normally we'd do that. It's an 11-game slate. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but it's Mondays. So you know what happens on Mondays. It's Mondays with McCool, James McCool, joining me, co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. We got the chat room here. Max Coach One, Jupocalypse, Card Fan, D-Bills. You know what to do. Hit that thumbs up button to keep my apple juice cold. All right, hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. And you got to give an extra special hit on the thumbs up button today because it's my birthday, right? It's my birthday today, right? What did you guys get me? Nothing, of course. You don't care, right? Get me more grief and stupid questions. That's that's what that's what you people are getting me. James, you didn't get me anything, right? No one gets me anything, no, nor do I want anything. So I'm complaining about not getting anything, nor did I care. As yeah. long as everyone leaves me alone, I'm fine, right? That's typically the, what I want on my birthday. I didn't my know wife that asked, was your birthday, but I would have My wife asked me, you. what do you want? I just, I would just want peace and quiet. Yeah, well, I would have gotten you something. I would have gotten you like a, a hat or like an apple juice container that has a name uh, like Perseus on it, because that would have been... Perseus? Percival. Percival, sorry, I forgot. I'm not good with names. Anyway, right. my joke is ruined, but uh, happy birthday anyway, man. Okay, I'm 42. People, people don't think I'm. People think I'm way older than I am. Is there, is there, there? Do I do I look like I'm sixty? So not sixty, but uh, I mean a, a life of going to like metal shows and playing poker and playing DFS probably ages you a little bit. Did do I look? Do I look that old? I look like I'm older than I am. 
And that's right. my background. Right. You're right. You look like you're in your mid thirties. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. But you're like 27 or something. Yeah, I'm 28. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm 42. Do I, do I, do I look, do I look? I, I no, know. without the hat on, you look 42. Right. When you have the hat on, you look older. When I have my hat off, I look older. Right. Because right. I'm just bald as hell. Right. So well, I look younger when you, you can look, see that you I look actually younger. Have you look younger when you take the hat off. I look older when I take the hat off. So that's the dynamic here. Okay. So, so that's, that's what I need to do. In order to convince people I'm younger, I need to, I need to take my hat off more. And wear, wear sunglasses. Oh, wear sunglasses. What would Everybody sunglasses? looks younger with look sunglasses blind. on. Well, I mean, you'll look blind, but you'll look younger. You'll look like okay. a younger blind person. You might look like care? a 35-year-old blind younger? person. That's the question. Does it even matter to me? I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like it's it's because when you're in your 20s, like if you're an 18-year-old kid, if you're 22, someone that's like 45 looks like they're really old. Yeah. Right. So you can so a lot of times you can't judge, and it's like, oh, they could be forty-five, they could be sixty. I don't know, right? But then when you're in the forties, it's like you could properly judge. You can probably judge people in that age range. But then when you get to the younger people, you're like, is that is that woman twenty-two or sixteen? You're like, you're mm-hmm. not that. Then then you start getting on the other side of like you can't tell the difference between like, oh that uh, oh, oh she's hot. It's like Jordan, she's fifteen. It's like that's a fifteen-year-old now. What the what the yeah, hell? You know. Terrible. It's it's the other way around. I uh, uh, I blame Forever Twenty One, I think. But uh, regardless, like I, when when you're younger, it's funny when you're like 12, 13 years old, you look at like 25, 26 year olds, and you're like, oh man, they're adults. Right. And then when you're like 25, 26, you look like some you look at somebody who's like 45, 50, and you're like, oh man, they're adults because like you you never actually feel like an adult. I think until you're like probably 40. Like, do you feel? No, like you don't. You never. <laughs> like an adult. You never, you never feel like it. I'm 42 years old. I feel like I'm 24 mentally. Mentally, I feel like the same I did when I was 24. Now, physically, I feel like I'm 78, but that's, that, that's what ends up happening. When you get into your forties, all of a sudden it's like, why does my shoulder hurt? Why do I, why do I, why do I feel like taking a nap in the middle of the day? Right. That's me at 28. Okay, so good. you got a head start already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I absolutely feel like I'm like 55, but I blame football for that. Like too, too many years of contact sports has made it so that I need glasses. You know, you, you get CTE, you get broken ankles and you get bad eyesight, but you get oh, so, football. So you're broken down because of physical activity. Yeah. I'm broken down because of lack of physical activity. <laughs> <laughs> like when a car sits out in the driveway too long and That's just right. doesn't start anymore. Right, my battery's dead. <laughs> right, the the, the 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 radio is still at the default settings or whatever, and it's I can't even switch any anymore. Uh, okay, so uh, can can we can we? I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make the call, James. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect to make it. I expected it to make it make it early this mm-hmm. season. I didn't expect it to make it this early this season. Uh, I'm done with NBA DFS. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm done. Like, like I got. I got the spreadsheet. Uh, I will. I will be playing once in a while. But I'm just saying, the playing like every day, the spreadsheet with the cash games and the three sites and everything. I'm. I, I mean, I'll still record if I play, but it's not going to be every day. Uh, and I'm just. I'm just. It's. I'm. I'm putting it in. I'm twenty thousand seven hundred eighty nine dollars over the course of what three months. 
We made it three months. What? Uh, yeah, three months is a is a hundred is a little over a hundred percent return. Of course, most of it is on FanDuel. So if I knew beforehand, mm-hmm. I would have invested. I would just said, "Screw it, I'm just playing the whole thing on FanDuel." But you don't know, so that's why you you, you split it amongst everything. Then you start leading it more towards where you know, you're winning more. I'm going to attribute it to just the FanDuel user base is just weaker. I guess that's well, the only and, way that I can attribute contest it. selection too. You don't you get to play the the lower dollar games over on FanDuel, right? But I mean that doesn't account for like all of the all of the money there. No, like then that's not all of it. It's just that uh, yeah, the pricing is softer. When you make a mistake in cash on FanDuel, you're heavily punished. Oh yeah, right. So 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 that's what I'm going to attribute it to. But but as far as like playing every day, like NBA, I'm like I'm done. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I I did not play on Saturday, James. <laughs> I played MMA. Which maybe I should have played NBA. I lost an MMA also. Although Ngannou's knockout actually made me not lose like eighty percent of my money, and only made me lose thirty percent of my money. Uh, but I saw what happened on Saturday. Whatever. Uh, when we get to the point where where whole teams are sitting, uh, without being on the injury report, and a half an hour before game time, uh, that that's when I. That's, I'm, I, I lift my hat. I, I, I'm going to take off my hat, appear younger, and say I tip the cap to you, UNBA, but I, I bid you adieu, right? I, baseball's coming up on Thursday. Uh, it's, I'm, 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 we're going to have this 11-game slate tonight, and I'm just like, like I already look at it, and I, I just looked at it, and I said, I just don't feel like entering any contest. This is, I, whatever happens at, at tonight, I'm going to need my Lanta, and I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, Saturday, I think I, I've been playing DFS for like quite a while now. Saturday was probably the worst slate that I've ever seen in, in terms of like late scratches and unheard of news and team sitting and just like absolute, just, it, it was the worst slate that I think I've ever seen. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, if you did not pay attention on Saturday, the Milwaukee Bucks ruled out without them being on the injury report, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincio, uh, Bobby Portis, and P.J. Tucker. Like, they literally ruled out seven players that are main parts of their rotations. Um, they only had eight players remaining. Three of those players, I, I didn't even know who they were. Like, I literally did not know who they were. Jordan and I were talking before the show started. I know the main roster and the vast majority of the backups for every team in MLB, NBA, NHL, League of Legends, Counter-Strike. Like, there, there's like six sports that I can just spout out any player that might play a game. And I didn't know the names of like a handful of players, like five players on that Saturday slate that ended up playing meaningful minutes between Milwaukee and Orlando. So... Uh, that was like the most tilting slate I think that I've ever dealt with. Um, so we also had the Knicks, didn't the Knicks sit? Oh yeah, the Knicks, yeah, the Knicks sat Julius Randle. They didn't have Mitchell Robinson. Uh, they sat somebody else too. It was Derrick Rose. Like they didn't have Derrick Rose. He was out for conditioning. Like at, what, we, these teams aren't even trying to play notable rosters anymore. Uh, and and 
I had a couple questions in Luca. Did Luca after lock Luca and Porzingis were out? Oh yeah, and then Luca and Porzingis were out too. Yeah, it, it just and, and then Sunday comes around. And I'm like, okay, three games slate. I didn't have to make any changes through the day. It comes up to an hour before lock. I am hitting the upload button on my projections. Like I am uploading the optimizer onto the site. Kyle Lowry gets ruled out. Not on the injury report 45 minutes earlier. And I just go and I just lay on my floor in my office. Like stare at the ceiling. It just is insane, man. That that there's nothing and there's nothing that you can do, right? Like as a content creator, Jordan, you as a player, like as a specific player, you have it hard enough trying to react to all of that news and just wait for somebody to magically put together a rotation and like a minutes projection. Right, I'm waiting for you. Like I'm waiting for someone like you to tell me what the numbers should be. Right. And then there's me who's just like, I don't know who most of these players even are. And there's teams that have traded away main pieces of their rosters. And so now they have different pieces of their roster that I don't even know what they're going to do. Like the Orlando situation yesterday on Sunday, they pulled in a whole bunch of vets and they traded away their best players and so now you literally have an entire team of dudes that don't matter. So like, how do you project that? It's so hard now. And like, I've been pretty much done with the season for about two weeks now. Um, I have been playing sparsely. And if I do play, it's super low volume. Like I'm not even touching hundred dollar contest at this point, but at this point now, after what happened with the bucks on Saturday, done calling it. Don't care. I'm just working on my baseball stuff and I'll be ready for Thursday uh, baseball is like huge, giant open carrot over NBA. Just NBA can leave. I mean, but we even had the situations. What Michael Carter Williams gets ruled out and then plays, right? He gets ruled out and then Michael Carter Williams has entered the game in the second quarter and like didn't didn't they have to dress Terrence Ross being injured on the bench just to sit him there? Yeah, because Carter Williams got sick before the game and, and then, then played. Then, then he re- he gets a reverse scratch, so and then and then yesterday he starts and then gets injured for the second half. So now that he does play, now he's out for the second. I'm, I'm I know there's edge. Like what what I'm saying isn't reasonable from a math from a from a if you want to make money perspective. If you're good at NBA DFS, you should want all of this chaos because skillful players are going to triumph in those environments. It's just. It's a it's a pain in the ass. It's just it's it's gonna be and and then you have baseball on top of it. Yeah. Now MLB is much easier because there's you know no chaos. But well, I mean, we're gonna have locks. We're gonna have locks most nights at the same time. And like, like, do I want to focus my time on my baseball lineups or do I want to focus my time on on being on high alert for for whole teams to sit after lock nine o'clock okay we don't we, we we don't feel like playing anymore just like no, we're throwing out all the g leaguers and you're like i don't even know who these guys are yeah and then you have to project them but is this guy going to start and play 36 minutes or he's going to start and play 12 minutes who knows who knows how many minutes these guys are going to play and what they're going to do uh so there is edge i just i how much how how much volume do i want to put into that edge that that I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, we already see in the lobbies that the lobbies are getting smaller, especially in cash games. The head dead lobbies are dead unless you want to play sharp players. <clears throat> so it's like how much. So if the volume is going down there, I know I know a Jupocalypse says uh, 
uh, in the chat. Uh, uh, I'm hoping there will be slightly more of an edge with all the sharp, all you sharp guys in here shifting to MLB. You're still going to have plenty of sharp players. And, and I mean, it's, it's you, you, we're not going to be gone. Wow. Two guys. Wow. You got, oh, bye. The, bye uh, so the last month of every single sport, you're basically only playing sharp players. Like, like nearly all of the casual players have left. Like, it's it's not just me and Jordan. They're just like, screw this. NBA is ridiculous. Like, the, the casual players, like, the quote-unquote easier money has left and, and is gone. Like, they, they're gone they, by they, the All-Star break, even. I mean, like... Yeah, it, they're gone by the All-Star it dips, break. It starts at the beginning of the season and dips yep. lower. So that's why, to me, that if I want to find the easier money, it would be in the first month of the baseball season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, like... If you're saying that you think that things are going to be a little bit easier with with guys like me and Jordan getting out of the getting out of the pools, like nah, man, like you, you still got to deal with all guys who have super sophisticated algorithms, and like you're not going to be getting the more casual players. You're not going to be getting the easier money. That easier money is going on to the next sport. It's going on to baseball. So like, if you want to be going after the easier money you should be getting prepped up for baseball and you should be getting ready for baseball because that's where it's going to be. It, the, the last month of every single main sport, the last month of NFL, NBA, and MLB, all of the casual money is gone. And you're just all dealing with... I mean, you can't, you can't use a term like all. Okay, fine. A lot of the easier money is gone. And you're dealing with the guys who do this for a living. You're, you're doing this against now the actual like good pro grinders that are going to be there regardless. Uh, because like this is their... their you know, it's, it's what they do. So it, it gets, I, I usually tell people to lower their volume the last month of the season um, just because it's just the, the, the edge is less. To, to, right, to and me, I, I would consider doing it just that I'm the type of person that I, I just can't, I can't do, I can't do four things at once. I just like, if, if we're going to have double locks, it's like, I'd rather focus and play one sport well than do multiple mm-hmm. sports at once. Cause even on Saturday, like I, yeah, I could have, I could have played MMA lineups. There's no late swap in MMA. I could have just done that and been fine and then do NBA and then pull my hair out. It's like, no, I just want to, it's a Saturday night. I'll order UFC 260 and, and I'll watch it. Yes. And I order it because I, I find it laughable, a little laughable that people that'll play like $10,000 worth of volume in MMA contests and look for a stream and then look for free streams. It's like, dude, pay the 70 bucks. I mean, yeah, well, you know, it's uh, one one of my favorite lines in the Fast and the Furious movies is, um, I don't know, it's in one of the more recent ones, and he goes over and he's like, it was after they had this like huge heist and they're all millionaires and blah blah blah, they're like riding on yachts or whatever the, whatever they're doing, um, and one of the dudes goes up to to one of the other guys and says, hey, can I borrow a dollar for the vending machine? He's like, you're a millionaire and you're asking me for a dollar. He's like, that's how you stay a millionaire. So I guess that's that's the the thought on not paying the seventy dollars for the uh, for the pay per view. Right. Never use your own money. Yeah. Right. Use somebody else's money. Borrow. Yep. So so MLB coming up this week Thursday. Yep. yep. Being 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 your 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 uh, your model maker. What 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 are you what what are you prepping for? I think uh, I want to talk a little bit about. And you'll talk about your preparation, but I also want to talk that uh, FanDuel has changed. What are your thoughts on FanDuel's new change that they're adding MPE? And FanDuel already, we're used to basketball with FanDuel being like very distinct. Like there's no MPE and it's two, 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 one, 
you're done in basketball. And same in football, right? In football, it's like you got one utility and, and you're done. Uh, in, in MLB, DraftKings is the one that's, even though they have MPE, there's no utility position. So like FanDuel is on top, on, on DraftKings, you have to roster a catcher. And catcher always sucks pretty much. Uh, on FanDuel, it's catcher slash first base. Obviously, they have the single pitcher, so that's a big difference. But they have a catcher first base slot, so you don't have to roster their catcher. They're gonna ha- they have a utility spot, which means you could roster two third basemen if you want, four outfielders. You know, we can't do that on DK. But now they're adding multiple positional eligibility. So how how much of an effect do you think the MPE is gonna be on FanDuel? Huge. It's massive. I, I mean, like even if it's just two positions uh, because they have the utility spot and because they have already the catcher first base spot. Now players are going to be able to fit into multiple spots. Um, they're going to fit into be, they're going to be able to fit into more <laughs> spots than you could fit in on DraftKings because of the utility. Right. right. Cause it's so, not just, it's not just like on short, typically on FanDuel we'll have like the, the shortstop. It'll be like, do you play Tatis? Do you play Lindor? Do you play Bogarts or something? And like, you could only play, like one at shortstop, but now you could with the utility, you could play two. Mm-hmm. But now if they, if they give multiple positional eligibility to a bunch of people, it's possible you could play three. I mean, like it, maybe not those three specifically, because they probably won't have like, they don't, those guys don't play multiple positions, but I mean, but, it, but it will be in positions where you're going to play, be able to play like these first base outfielder types, uh-huh. right? Like a Bellinger, or, a, or a, I have to remember who's in the league. I don't know. I, when it comes to MLB preparation, James, you know what I do? I wait until Thursday morning. I, yeah. I, I, then I figure out, oh, this guy's on that team now. Oh, oh, like uh, I, I remember like the big trades over and the big free agent signings over the over the summer, over the off season or whatever. But then it's just like I take a look at these starting lineups and I batting orders and go, oh, that guy's on that team. So, it's, so obviously my preparation is, is, is very limited, but I prepare strategically. So like that, the fan duel multiple position eligibility is the, is the main difference now is that you're going to be able to stack in, in like 30 to 40% more ways than you were before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a combinatorics problem, right? Like where now the common, the combinations that you can make on fan have increased by orders of magnitude because of MPE. So I had is that this, a good thing or a bad thing? Or is that well, a good I, thing or a bad thing for skillful players? So I had the discussion with um, with Dean, right, on, on Twitter, where he thinks that it is a little bit better just because of the stacking aspect, where it does make it so that you can stack a little bit easier. Like, you're not going to be quite as restricted on FanDuel with the way that you need to build your stacks. You're not going to be kind of, like, forced into playing um, – like a bad player from a team that you want to stack just because they fit into the second base spot. Like the, a problem with Boston last year was their second base spot sucked a lot of the year. Um, And if you want to stack Boston, you kind of, you had to take a bad player. Um, But now you're not going to have to deal with that. The problem is that at this point, mathematically, the differences in the way that you build on FanDuel, it's, it's going to be so hard to mathematically, create a script in MME that makes more sense and uh, does a good job of getting you the exposures that you want on FanDuel. MPE makes it really, really, really difficult 
I, I think for skillful players to have an edge over casual players. You and think and so? I think the op no, it's the opposite. Oh, I, I think that it's harder. I think it's harder because I think that it makes it so that like the, the mistakes that you make are punished less. Like we talk about that a lot, but I, I think that when you have a lot more options and the way that you can build out a roster specifically with MPE, I think that it makes it so that there are more outs and I think that it makes it harder to take down tournaments like FanDuel. The reason why I like FanDuel, I hate the site. I refuse to play there. Um, but the reason why I like FanDuel in terms of NBA is because you have to have the top, like a top player, a top five. You don't have to have 10 of the top 15 players overall on the slate. Like on draft draft games, you're more likely to need, since they're mostly multiple positional, you'll just need the eight high scores players. You have to be perfect. Yeah, you have to be like perfect. But on FanDuel, you have a little bit of leeway, a little bit of leeway because you have to nail the positions. You don't have to nail the entire slate. And so I think that when you look at the way that FanDuel now is put together for baseball with MPE and a single pitcher, I think that there are a lot more outs for players that maybe are a little bit less perfect. Um, yeah, but that benefits skillful players. But I, I think it increases randomness. I think it increases randomness. And I, I don't like that. I don't think, I think the opposite way. I think you should be viewing it the complete opposite way. You get punished more by having MP. If, if we have, if we have two, uh, shortstops that are be- good values or something like that. And you'd stat what like, you get punished by not playing both of them. It's the same thing in, mm-hmm. in DK. If they, if you have two centers, if you have power forward center eligible value and a center value and another, like you're going to play, you're going to play three of them. Weaker players and bad players tend to not do that. So the multiple positional eligibly like amplifies mistakes. Now with the large field GPPs you're talking about, like you're more like you're going to need a higher scoring lineup because Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, on, on, uh, cause we're going to now mention draft, like DraftKings now, cause I would mostly play GPPs on DraftKings. So you have to think on DraftKings. If you, let's say you have Freddie Freeman and you see, uh, Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run. Well, Goldschmidt only fits in the first base spot. Freddie Freeman only fits in the first base spot. So, so you know that Freddie Freeman now needs to hit a home run. Right. Now, if Freddie Freeman hits a home run and Goldschmidt has a home run, can anyone have Freeman and Goldschmidt in the lineup together? No. So what other first basemen do don't, like, don't matter, right? Unless, obviously, they're first base slash outfield, unless they're eligible at some other position. But so if you get the highest, like the catcher, that's a perfect example. The catcher is always the best example because catchers typically don't do much. So if like you're sitting there with a six point catcher and it's like, has any catcher gone off? Like had, had more than a home run. Cause even f- a 14 pointer you could overcome if you have six and it's an eight point difference, but you have a catcher that puts up three home runs. It's like, you're going to need them. Right. Cause I mean, and they only fit a catcher and you have to roster a catcher. If an outfield, uh, in large field GPPs, a lot of times you're going to need at least two of the highest scoring outfielders on the slate, but no one could roster four of them. So as long as you have three good ones, if you have three of the top four, you're fine. Do you need all four of them? No, because no one could roster that. So uh, because of that, that benefits weaker players 
because the likelihood of them putting, because remember we're stacking mostly and weaker, less skillful players stack less are more likely to have one-offs and uncorrelated lineups. Like the likelihood of you being able to, to get perfect on that is going to be way lower. It's going to be just a shot in the dark while with multiple positional eligibility, like, dude, I can make, I can make way more like on FanDuel. I look at that and I could go, I could get all the stacks that I possibly want and jam in exactly what I need so much easier as a skillful player where I'm not stuck with a $2,100 second baseman. Like I'm playing a four, three, one lineup because the only way for me to stack the Dodgers and the Yankees and the cheap pitcher is by playing, you know, some random, you know, Diamondbacks second baseman batting eighth type of guy in the 2100 zone in second base. Well, with M- MPE, like, I, I could make 4 4 lineups so much, like, way easier now. Yeah. And if, if less of the field is building 4 4 lineups, how does that not, how does that not benefit me? Sure. No, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I look at it from a mathematical standpoint of just, I, I don't like that it's increased in orders of magnitude, the amount of combinations that you can make. Um, yeah, but that I, benefits, I, it makes, okay. I think, I think we're, 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 we're confusing what it means by harder, right? Sure. It makes it harder overall. Like you're, you're saying the same thing that I'm saying at just my approach is the difference sure. relative skill. You're thinking of just raw difficulty. Like, yes, it makes it more difficult on everyone, but as thinking of it, I'm thinking of it like a, like a content creator and like a model builder. Who cares about content creation and model? I'm talking about that's that's the difference between our thoughts right now is like, I agree because I agree with you. I agree with you after you just went through that. I agree with you. And I think that's the point that Dean was making as well. Um, that that it's difficult when everything becomes more difficult for everyone the skillful players have more of an edge because the more difficult it gets on weaker players, they get worse and worse and we get better and better. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I can agree with that. But I obviously from, if you're making models and building optimal lineups and running simulations, you got way, you got way more comp. Now now you got, you need a lot more computer power. Yeah. A lot higher combinatorics. So it's, I I think that I agree with you. I see, I, I see your point for sure. Um, I don't like MPE just simply because of what we talked about earlier with NBA, where like you're going to need the top eight best players period versus on FanDuel. You don't need that specifically, but I totally agree with you that from a gameplay standpoint, you're right. Uh, if, if less people are stacking and it makes it easier to stack, it, it's a good thing for you. Yeah. Right. I, I Bring it on. Yeah. Bring on the combinations. When do, when do we ever say, and, and like take a look at showdowns, Take a look at, uh, at uh, what are the tiers or whatever, all the formats that have less combinations. Yeah. Like the less combinations on short slates, two game slates. We always get into the notion of like the sharper play is finding the unique combinations. Mm-hmm. So like the more combinations that are available, the more available unique combinations are available. So when, when you have a two game slate, it's like it's hard not to build a good lineup. It's just it's hard to build a unique lineup. And the differences between lineups is not going to be that dramatic. And especially when it comes to MLB, the differences between lineups is, I mean, I mean, I do look at projections, but you're playing teams. Like it's mm-hmm. so much different from NBA where you're playing, play, you're, 
this guy's a value. That guy's a, like we we could have. I mean, I'm taking a look at our our RG projections right now. I don't I don't even know if they're at. I don't even know. These, these, who knows? Someone could have just jotted these down. I'm not even sure. But like looking at the best the best point per dollar play on the slate right now is Cedric Mullins if he leads off uh, against Boston for the Cedric Orioles. Freaking Mullins is the best guy. This is gonna be such a fun Thursday. Right. Okay. Now, I'm just saying he's he's projected in our in our stuff. Batting first in Fenway against Nathan Eovaldi. He's $2,100 on DraftKings. I mean, he's like, he's the minute. He's like, I mean, come on. These prices shouldn't be this, this low. I mean, we I, have, I, look, we have uh, I mean, obviously there's some good, like David Dahl is, is projected to bat second against Keller in Kansas City. And he's 2,500. I mean, these guys should be 4,000. I did, like, but hear, I mean, a lot. A lot of these guys are ch- are cheap because they're facing Darvish and 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 Glass now, and I can't count Bumgarner as a real pitcher, so he doesn't count. Uh, but it's like Cedric Mullins at twenty one hundred, best point per dollar play on the slate. Like from a cash game perspective, sure, okay, fine, whatever. But I mean, he could just go. It's not like NBA where it's like, oh, this guy, like Cedric Mullins on this slate, probably should be four thousand. He's two thousand. Now imagine you say on an NBA, a guy that should be eight thousand is four thousand. Like right. you'd be playing like ninety eight percent of him, right? Well, so I I went over that in the my recent post on the site, which is free, by the way. I I tweeted about it, but um, I went over that the reason why MLB is the best DFS sport is because it's an event oriented sport where like that price discrepancy on Cedric Mullins. I'm I will not stop laughing that Cedric Mullins is the best point per dollar play. Um, that that price discrepancy. Sure, he should be more expensive, but his floor is a literal zero. Everyone's this is floor not something. Zero. Yeah, everybody's floor in baseball is a literal zero. So Cedric Mullins being the quote unquote best overall value. Like, if he's gonna be more than twenty percent owned, I love everything about the slate because like he. Th- this is a player that only reason why he's popular is because of the price and because of his batting order, but. It's not like NBA where because he's underpriced, it means that he's a good value. He's underpriced, but it doesn't mean anything because he could have a literal zero. He could have a literal two point outing, and it just kills so much. Right. He's gonna bat. He's gonna bat four to five times, and that's it. Yeah. That he's gonna bat four to five times. He's got a two fifty batting average, and he hasn't hit a home run since Nam. Like right, that's that's chalk that is so good to fade, man. Like I am so excited for baseball. Well, who knows? I'm just going, I'm just looking at, I mean, he could end up batting eighth and then then no longer, then he's just sitting there at 2,100. Sure. But the point of it is that like, we can extend that, that conversation that we just had, that thought that we just had of any $2,100 player that ever bats first in a batting order on any slate in any park against any pitcher. It doesn't matter if they're going to be the best point per dollar play. And you look at them and you say, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's the best point per dollar play, but he doesn't do anything for GBPs. He has a ceiling of like four points two seven. He has a ceiling of twenty two point five five nine. Does he? He has a floor of one point seven nine. I'll take the under. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the floor and the ceiling are like the twenty, the the fifty. I know they're standard deviations. I get it. I get it. Right. That 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 point can be extended towards so many different MLB conversations, and and it's the reason why baseball is such a fun DFS board and something that I think both Jordan and I love about DFS is that we can crank up that leverage lever. Now we, we can focus more on playing plays that 
people look at as like bad plays and it's like, dude, you can look at it as a bad play, but if they're going to be 3% owned and they have an implied total of like 4.5 and it's going to be 30% owned for a total that's like 5.2, I will take the 3% ownership and a chance to bink the slate with very, very low owned players against the players that all have the same floor of zero and like median projections on hitters are funny. So I love baseball season for that reason. That that's the main reason. Right. And I look at the prices, see, like this is very similar to lineups, not players. I think in terms of stacks, not players. So for instance, I'll show you on the screen. Like Cedric Mullins is not what entices me. So I look at the Orioles. We have a we who knows what their order is gonna be. I mean, this is we're looking on Monday, so this doesn't mean anything. They haven't even finalized like the rosters or anything yet. What I'm looking for, this is the this is the vomit. This is vomit stacks. Okay, I'm, I'm explaining what vomit stacks are. Okay, uh, the point of playing vomit stacks is goes along with what James, what you said. Any team on any day could hit 12, 12 runs or whatever, right? And, and obviously they don't have equal chances, but at least some of a chance. I'm looking for stacks of five players that fit in multiple roster slots on DraftKings, especially, uh, and it and it be under twenty thousand combined. So that's 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 the qualification of a vomit stack. If you could play five guys, mostly at the top of the order, from a team. Uh, that has at least a, a four implied total. Basically, they're they're not facing an ace. They're not facing a Degrom. They're not facing a Cole. They're not facing because they'll naturally be on. They'll naturally be low priced. Uh, and can I fit five of them in my lineup? See, like here with the Orioles, Cedric Mullins is twenty one hundred. Mancini thirty nine. Santander thirty five. Mountcastle thirty nine. Cisco thirty one. That's I mean, like. Cute. There's a vomit stack, but the problem here is that you have three outfielders, two first basemen, and a catcher. Like Galvis, if he bats eighth down over here, he's your second baseman shortstop. So, like, I'm more likely to stack with Galvis just to fill my second base short spot because I, do I want to fill three outfielders in the same stack? I don't know. So, like, it filled the vomits, it fills the, the salary requirement, but the positional, like, if Galvis was batting like fifth or second or something, there you go. I'm jamming in 20% Orioles on, on, on opening day. Like, like I don't need to do anything else. They project like the point per dollar is enough that if the, if the Orioles score 10 runs in Fenway against the Evaldi, which why, why couldn't they? Yeah. Uh, and then I get two stud pitchers. I win. Right. And the stud pitchers have to be worth it. So it would take a look in a slate that has, you know, Bieber and who, I mean, who else is on this slate? I mean, the problem with the, oh, with the begin, first couple of outings in the rotation is they're probably not going to pitch more than six innings. So you have to take that into account, but that's the whole, that's the whole vomit stack theory. So I'm not looking for individual batters. So for instance, if I go into the projections right now, this is the RG projections. I'll, I'm, I use the bat from, from Derek Cardi. So, but I mean, the RG projections are, are fine also. Uh, and I look at the top point per dollar. I see Boston, I see Baltimore, Baltimore, Texas, Arizona, but Arizona's facing Darvish. So may, may that, maybe I don't look at Arizona. I look at Minnesota, 
I'm just looking for the cheap guys, like J.K. batting sixth against Woodruff. But like Corey Dickerson in, in Miami batting first against Glasnow. Do I want to do that against Glasnow? Maybe not. But San Diego's in Arizona facing Bumgarner. I don't consider Bumgarner to be a quality pitcher anymore. Anybody who does is just in denial. Right. Kike Hernandez, if he leads off for the Red Sox against John Means. So I just look for these cheaper guys. And then, that led because like Boston, if Kike Hernandez leads off for Boston, like let's take a look at their lineup as projected. I mean, obviously, we'll, you'd get that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. But I'm looking and I'm seeing, okay, well, Bogart's endeavors are expensive. Verdugo and J.D. Martinez are, are reasonable. Now, Verdugo is going to be batting lefty-lefty if he even bats in that order, in that spot. Maybe they play Dalbeck. Maybe they move Dalbeck up in the order or something. Who knows? So who knows how they're going to do it? But I take a look at this, and this is not a vomit stack. Even though Kiki Hernandez is second base eligible and possibly leading off against John Means in Boston, makes him a fine cat. Like, if you want to use him as a one-off cash play type of thing, I think that's perfectly fine just because you're trying to get more plate appearances in cash games. But from a stacking perspective, this is not really that cheap of a stack because it's very unlikely that a, that a team's going to put up 10 plus runs and their main hitters are 0 for 5. So it's very rare that, yeah, I may not stack with Xander and Devers both, but at least one of them. Right, it's going to be. Why am I going to play Hernandez, Verdugo, J.D. Martinez, Hunter Renfro, Marwin Gonzalez, and not leave the heart of their order? Like, like it makes no. Most likely, if that team does well, the good hitters do well also. But then I take a look at, uh, let's see, we saw before with uh, with David Dahl, Texas. So there was a cheap hitter. Okay, we look at their order and look how cheap this order is. They're playing against Brad Keller. Who I, I never mind as a, as, as a pitcher, as an SP two. I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say on DraftKings, Brad Keller could be, uh, could be a little bit chalky. As, yeah, as, a, as against a cheap, Texas, yeah, against Texas as a cheap pitcher. Okay, uh, so if he's gonna be twenty percent owned, you know sounds I love like, stacking against like SP twos, right? Yeah, that sounds like money, right? And then look at the look at the look at the look at the prices. If this is the order, I mean, obviously we're just projecting one to nine here. Kiner Falefa leading off. This says how bad the Rangers are, <laughs> okay? Uh, if Isaiah uh, Kiner Falefa is leading off. But I look, I get a shortstop, 3,500. David Dahl, 2,500 in the outfield. Gallo, Nate Lowe, first baseman, and Nick Solak. Or Odor, even. One of the two. Second ba- I mean, I'm able to fill two middle infield spots a first base and two outfield spots and look at the combined price. The combined prices. I mean, I mean, it's way, way under 20 K. Sounds like I'm stacking the Rangers. Right. So, and then, and then you get leverage if Keller's, you know, ends up coming in 20 to 25% owned. Like you're, I'm describing how I, how I pick my team. Like that's it. Yep. Now people are going to, well, what's his ISO? What's his, what do I need? I just need to know, give me the, the normal projections. Give me the price. Give me the, the, the ownership and that I'm done. And then I'm picking teams. So so now, since Texas is the road team, I don't mind playing the bottom of their order. No, because they get an extra at-bat. Right, because the, they'll guaranteed ninth inning at-bats. I, this is a more or less, a more likely or less likely. Just like in DFS, everything should be more likely and less likely. Not always and never. Uh, 
Seven, eight, and nine for the home team, I try to stay away from. Seven, eight, or nine. I mean, you don't typically they're the worst hitters anyway, and their plate experience uh, expectation is lower because they're lower in the order. Uh, doesn't mean I don't play them. Like I said in the in the instance before with Galvis, it's because like on Baltimore, like just f- from a positional standpoint, like number one, they're the road team, so I don't mind the eighth hitter in the lineup. But do I want to take up like three outfield spots with the Orioles? Probably not. So Galvis bats eighth. So I'm going to do something maybe more like Galvis batting eighth and then play Mullins, Mancini, Santander, and Cisco. Try to maintain that correlation. Yeah. Right. And it's enough. I, I It's not the eighth hitter still correlates with the other hitters on the lineup and everything. You know, the, the gaps don't matter as much. But then we take a look at, at Texas and it's like, this is easy. I mean, I could just basically take all the lefties and like, I have no problem. And they're there. And if Jose Trevino is batting eighth, he's 2,900. And this is where you get into, if you, if you listen to the morning grind or, or any, any, when I'm on grinders live and people are like, what are you doing a catcher? It's like, whoever I'm stacking and I'm playing the, I mean, unless I'm playing some one-off like real Muto, you know, one of the hot, the Grandal, one of the actual good catchers to me, on DraftKings, obviously in FanDuel, you don't have to play catcher. But on, on DraftKings, I'm more likely to like, I don't care where the spot in the order is. I don't care what the name is. I don't care. It does not matter. If they're cheap, as long as they're like under 3,500 and just like, I'm just playing the, 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 I guess if I'm stacking the pirate, Jacob Stallings, here you come. Right? It's just, it's whatever it is. I don't concern myself that much because if I'm going to punt anywhere. It's going to be why, Right. And why not make it more correlated than... Right. Think, oh, I'm going to play Jose Trevino in a lineup with my Orioles stack. Like, yep. I, I, why not? Why aren't you just playing Chan Cisco in that spot? Like, it's the same you? thing in in NFL. Any slate that doesn't have an elite tight end on it, just <laughs> just correlate it with your quarterback. Like, you, it, instead of like trying to get a get a touchdown prop on one of these other tight end that probably sucks, just correlate it with your quarterback. Same thing with catcher. Just correlate it with the rest of your stack and just not even worry about it. And most right. of the time when you're going to be paying up at catcher anyway is when you have like, like on a, on the fifth day of the rotation, when Julio fricking to ends up chalk every single time because he's not the worst pitcher, but he's also terrible, but he's priced at like nine K uh, like you're going to be paying down a pitcher that day anyway. So you might have the money to get up to catcher and not have to worry about it with your stack. But for the most part, just, just correlate it. Correlation is stronger than your, than ISO and slug and whatever. Like just correlate it. Uh, Jacob Calloway asks, are you less likely to use one-offs from popular stacks? Or are you more so weighting strongest standalone ability in your lineups that are built with under own stacks? Uh, I, now there are certain players that I don't mind. If, if the Dodgers are chalky, and I got, and I got 6,000 left in my lineup, like I'm playing Mookie Betts. I'm playing, I'm, it does, to me, those type of players, Mike Trapped, I don't care how old yeah. the Angels, like I don't mind. But other than that, like if most, most, if the, if the stack is chalky, if that guy does well, most likely the team has done well. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I'm not a big fan. Like for instance, in the Cedric Mullins example, Cedric Mullins sucks. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's bad. Um, yeah. If, if he's, if he ends up being 22% owned as a one-off outfielder, 
I I I is and the Orioles are not a are not a, a a team that's stacked. Like you, we may have these. Cedric Mullins is twenty two percent owned, and then the stack is one percent owned, right? Because everyone's playing the, the leadoff twenty one hundred dollar guy, but no one's playing Mancini or any of the other guys in the line. Then then I don't mind playing Mullins in my stack, but I'm not going to play him as a one off because it makes it to me it makes no sense. I'm and I'm not going to play a, a one off in a in a in a in a chalk stack. If if Fred if Freddie Freeman at first base, if the Braves, if the Braves are chalky and everyone on the Braves is 15 to 18 percent owned and Freddie Freeman is 24 percent owned, to me, I'm more likely to just fade the Braves mm-hmm. than play any of them as a one-off, assuming that the only way any of them hit a ceiling is if you know multiple of them do well enough. There, there are obviously instances where bottom of the orders do well. Where it's like Freddie Freeman has two home runs, but like Ozuna's sitting there with nothing. I mean, like, because the bottom of the order got on base and then Freddie Freeman just like hit him in. Like, yeah, yeah. there's there, there are those instances, but I'm less, I'm less likely. I'm not saying never, I'm just saying less likely. But those situations with the the leadoff hitter, you know, when when, when Tim LaCastro or something, you know, we get we, we get these 2K leadoff hitters, R- Ramel Tapia. You know, when he's uh, he comes, oh, he's batting first, 2,800, and he's in, he's in course, playing for the Rockies. And it's like, like, dude, I I want not, I, in GPP, in cash games, play them all you want. I mean, that, that's, yeah, you play them in cash games, but in GPPs, to me, it, it, it makes no sense. The, the, the relative value is not worth it in an event-driven sport. Like, it, if you went by the rule, James, do you think this, this if, if you had a rule, I'm not saying you should do this, but if there was a blunt, if you had a blunt tool on a 10 plus game slate, should you just, if any batters projected to be more than 20% owned, can you just, if you just X them out and then built your lineups, do, do you think that you, that that would almost always be a plus EV decision? Directly from the article that I just wrote, this, this is a quote, uh, the popular plays are generally popular for a reason, and you're either grossly underpriced or necessary to build competitive lineups. If you build a lineup with nobody over 20% owned, this is talking about NBA. If you build a lineup with nobody over 20% owned, it's pretty unlikely that you built a lineup that's competitive over a long sample. But in MLB DFS, you can have an entire roster under 10% and it be competitive so long as it's built correctly. In fact, I would say that lineups built entirely under a 20% threshold are more likely to find success long-term than those over the 20% mark but that's a conversation for another time directly right, it, from the article that I just wrote. Right. On, on, a, so, on a normal size slate. We're not talking about a four game slate. Right. Yeah. On a normal size slate. Be- and, a 10, and reason- 11, 12 game slate. If Mike Trout is 36% owned, I'm less like, it, it, it's quite likely I'm playing a hundred lineups and playing no, literally none of them. And the reason for that is because the events that happen in games are significantly like the probability of a home run in any given game by any given player is way less than 36% on Mike Trout. It's way even for, less. Even for Mike Trout, it's less. Even for Mike Trout. Yeah. Right. The, the best hitters in the league have a non-binomial distribution percentile chance of 7% to hit a home run in any given game. 7%. When you combine that with a pitcher that is very bad, like if they're facing James Shields, that goes up into like the mid 14 to 16% or something like that. But that's 14 to 16% chance that they're going to hit a home run. The best hitters in the league. We're talking like 
Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton, whatever. So anything over 20% owned in MLB, like I'm very, very, very wary to utilize hitters that are over 20%. Pitchers, pitchers, different conversation, but hitters, if they're over 20% owned, I'm very, very wary to utilize them just because you, you lose all of the plus EV of taking a hitter as soon as they hit that 20% mark. They, they don't have significantly more than a 25% chance to make value, especially at the price you have to pay for. What happens? Okay. What happens if Mike Trout is, is uh, uh, whoops, 3000. They did it by accident on DraftKings. Mike tried to start when I know the Cunha, whoops, 3,000. That's you know, gonna, you know they're going to end up being, you know, on 11 games late, they'll be like 45% down. You know, and you know what I would say? I'd, I'd still, still say Xing them out is probably to win a large field GPP. Yep. I'd still X them out. That's even better. Like it, like if Mike Trout is going to be like 3,000 on any given slate, I know that he's going to be 65, 70. Every single tout service on the planet will be talking about Mike Trout at 3K. Right, but he's oh, still yeah. only going to get five at bat. He's going to get four or five at bats. Right. He could easily just get two walks and a run. Right. Even, right? even, like if, even if at that price he gets a walk and a stolen base and a run, that's like nine points, he can still get beat badly by other 3K outfielders. He can still get Cedric Mullins could beat him. Exactly. (laughs) Because baseball is hilarious. It's all randomness and it's all variance and it's beautiful. Uh, So yeah, anything over 20%, um, I get very, very wary to roster anybody over 20%. Doesn't mean you don't. Doesn't mean you can't. Right. It just means I have to think more about it. I I have to really weigh that decision more. And, And like, if I have a stack of like, Say, say I stack the Rangers, you know, they're, they're all 1% owned on, on opening day. Then I'm a little bit more likely to take on a, a popular hitter, like, a, like, cause I'm going to have the money for Mike Trout. Right. And, and if Mike Trout's going to be 25% owned, but I have all 1% owned hitters around him and I'm able to afford the two stud pitchers. Whereas other people are playing an SP two that is $7,000. Maybe I'm more likely to take that 25, 30% owned player because like I already have the leverage that I need for large field tournaments. I, I don't have to worry about the leverage anymore. And I'm just trying to like fill out upside. So maybe I end up doing that. But if Mike Trout's going to be 30% owned on that slate and I have all these 1% owned hitters, but then there's going to be Cody Bellinger playing outfield at the same price and he's going to be like 10% owned. And I'm not talking about opening day because the Dodgers playing Coors opening day. So this is probably flipped. But my, my point is that if there's a very popular expensive hitter, that's going to be 30% owned and then a hitter with the same upside. That's going to be 10% owned. I probably just want the hitter. That's going to be 10% owned because why wouldn't I? Like, I, I, just think, I, I, I don't mean, take any. a look at, take a look at opening day. You have Acuna against Nola bets and Bellinger against Marquez Tatis and Machado against Bumgarner Seager against Marquez Yelich against Maeda story against Kershaw Bryce Harper against Freed, Real Muto against well, 5,500 for Real Muto. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you take a look at some of these. I mean, like, yeah, if I if I have $6,000 left in my vomit stack, like, why wouldn't I play Betzer Bellinger in, 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 in Colorado against German Marquez? Like, but do I play Betts or Bellinger? Like, who, who cares, right? If, if it's a utility spot, and I have 5,900, that doesn't mean I have to play bets. If I want to play Tatis in the utility, because he's shortstop eligible, or Machado or against Bumgarner, 
yeah, I have no problem playing anyone against Madison Bumgarner in 2021. So like if, 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 if bets, if let's say Marquez is uh, against Bellinger because he's lefty against Marquez. Cause people like the, the reverse, the, the, the platoon splits Bellinger's on, on an 11 game slate is like 32% owned and bets is going to be 24% owned and Tatis is going to be 20% owned and Machado is going to be 17% owned. Like dude, like the, the differences between these guys are like nothing. Like, like look at the, even the projections are barely that different from each other. So even, even with, you have 5,800 left and, and the best raw points is Bellinger. And he's going to be 32% owned. And even if you have a 1% owned stack, it's still probably even better to just take Machado in that spot. I mean, just like, because the projection difference is, is not, it's practically nothing. So like the whole, the whole concept of DFS is can you, can you get uh, more relative points than your opponents? And if two guys in your model are projected the same and one is less owned, there's, there's, there's no instance where the less owned player is not the better, is not the plus EV move. There's no, there's literally no instance. If you tell me that the range of outcomes of two players is exactly the same, they're exactly the same price and one's going to be half as owned as the other, you should be picking the lowest owned one every a hundred percent of the time. So even though like you have the raw, you know, oh, well, I could afford Bellinger. I could play Bellinger or Machado or something. And they're both projected like, like dude, whoever's the lowest, like, but I already have a 1% don't do leverage doesn't matter to that extent. Like the 1% don't stack doesn't have to have every player in that stack do well. Right. They're 1% don't if three out of the five, if, if, Three out of the five guys have home runs, and the fourth guy has a good fifteen-point game with some runs and a stolen base. The fifth guy could possibly have zero points, and you and you could win a large field GPP because the four, the other four are so low owned. And then if you end up with Bellinger in that scenario where he's thirty-two percent owned, zero for four with two strikeouts, and like you just wiped out a third of the field. I mean, like you wiped out a third of the field right there. So now that the low, the score, the winning score is going to be so much lower, which means your 1% stack doesn't have to put up 15 runs. They can put up nine runs and you win the slate. I mean, that's the whole, this is, this is the vomit stack theory of DFS or whatever. I mean, this is, there's <laughs> a lot of people come to me, James, and they say, how are you playing the Tigers? How are you playing the Pirates? How are you playing these, Marlins, how are you playing the Orioles? These these garbage teams, the Mariners. Like, you really think they're going to put up 15 runs? I go, no, I all I need to do is have them put up nine runs and have the chalk fail. Yeah. That's it. How often are they going to put up nine runs today? Oh, okay, a little bit easier than 50. Yeah, the Dodgers look like they can put up 15 runs every, every game. But if they're going to be, you know, 15%, 20% owned every game, like I'm just, I'm just, or people go to cores. Oh, I got to play. I got to stack cores. It's like, okay, I'll play the Tigers and go, really? You think the Tigers going to outscore cores? And I go, no. All I need to know, all they need to do is score eight runs while Coors Field is a three to one ball game. That's it. That's all. Well, and the other big part about that is like, you don't need it to happen very often either. No. Right. I mean, you need it to happen once, maybe twice in, in an entire season. Entire season. That's right. So, 
I, and, and that kind of speaks to the long-term idea of what DFS is and, and baseball, especially because like you're dealing with variants all season. There is not a single slate that you're not going to get that warning track fly out. That's just going to tilt you beyond belief. But it's so long as you continue to stick to that process of leverage and understanding of trying to play against the field in baseball, this is the best sport to do it because you really only need it to work once or twice. And you, you have better chances of taking down those GPPs because if those chalk, if course fails and course is taking up 40% of the field. And I, and I do think that we're going to see more condensed ownership this year. We saw a lot of condensed ownership in NFL. We saw a lot more condensed ownership in NBA. I think we see a lot more condensed ownership in MLB as well. If cores fails and wipes out 40% of the field, like you have already opened the gates if you avoided cores. Right? You, you just need the team that puts up eight runs and has your main guys, three out of your five main guys do really, really well. And you're in contention. Like you're, you're competitive to take down that team. Right. And have two pitchers that don't get blown up. Right. Yep. Or one pitcher or whoever. Well, actually, yeah. And and even if you're playing on DraftKings, two years ago, I took down a tournament with a pitcher that had negative like five points or something. It was like Chris Archer. Or so, <laughs> uh, of course it was Chris Archer that had negative five points, but it was like Chris Archer had negative five points, but I had all the angels at like four percent ownership or something in, in the trop. And they, they put up like 12 runs or something. And and it didn't matter that I had negative points for my pitcher. And that's why you do it that way. I believe two years ago, there was someone that won the large field GPP on FanDuel with a negative one from their, yeah. uh, with their yeah. pitcher on a single pitcher site. Yeah. It's the beauty of baseball, dude. Like it's the beauty of, of MLB. It, it's the best DFS score. For GPPs. For G- That's all I care about. It's best. For cash it's games, best it could be DFS. very frustrating. Yeah. Well, for cash, it sucks because it's all variants and, yeah, that, that sounds terrible. But right, like, your two v two is like, like is the, the, your your guy the shot goes all the way to the wall, and your opponent's guy hits three home runs, and you're like, well, how how am I supposed to? Yeah, uh, how was I supposed to know that? Like, how would you don't you just you, you literally you literally don't right right or yeah, on DraftKings you have two pitchers, and it's like, okay, here's the two v two, and it's like, uh, are you going to play this SP two or that SP two? Well, the difference could be thirty point difference, right? But right, Joe Musgrove, three-point difference. Right. Musgrove could – it's like, okay, do I play Brad Keller or Joe Musgrove? And it's like like Keller goes out and strikes out eight guys in seven innings with one with giving up one run and no walks. And Musgrove, within a, an inning and a third, has already given up nine runs. And you're sitting there going, okay, I guess I lost today in cash. I guess yep. move I guess on to the negative next one. 12 uh, versus 26 is going to work out. Right. Yep. You you you're fine with that in GPP. You could live with that in GPP. Just it's like okay, like the two guys were projected exactly the same, and their differences were thirty points apart from each other. Yeah. On to the next one, man. GG next. But all of this is discussed. Like I said, like even though we were talking about NBA for the past three months, like the theory of DFS, the fifteen-hour audio masterclass covers everything. So it's, it's it's the concepts of how to play DFS, regardless of the sport. So if you're getting into MLB, right? Because I'm getting it. I I actually had fun on the on the pregame show this morning talking about DFS. A lot of times in the past two weeks, I feel like uh, basketball slate. What the hell's going to happen? We already have Jalen Brown who's out today. I I was gonna say that it's, it's already already started, man. It's eleven game slate. 
What team is not going to play today? Who knows? I don't care. I'm not going to play it. Right. But go to theoryofdfs.com, me and James. How to think like a professional DFS player. We're, we're just structured education in your pocket. All these concepts that we talk about are in there. And, uh, and Craig Tao asks, uh, am I going to do my spreadsheet for cash and MLB? Yes. That's, that will be using the bat projections. Now, what, I'm, what I mentioned before is that I'm done, I'm done with NBA. Like, like today, I'm, like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not playing NBA tonight. So you won't see an entry. In the, like, if I do happen to play, it'll be in there. But like from, don't expect to see. Like, if, if, it, if, if this ends the 20th, like yesterday, like that, that's, that's the end. I mean, like, don't ex- this is the final results for the season as of now. Now, I also have a tab here for MLB. You see, it's like it's not even filled out, right? It's I'm waiting. I'll be doing MLB, though. So it'll be, that'll be fine. MLB, I don't mind doing because it's, I, I could, nothing changes enough that it's going to matter. So. Unless pitcher gets scratched. That's, that's unless a pitcher much... gets scratched or, you know, it, the batting order change to some extent may, may affect it a little, but not as much as, as NBA, which, uh, which we were, we were both, we were both, both really, really, really sick of. Yeah. Craig Toe even says, even though you said the cash games have so much variance, understand that I don't play cash games. I invest in cash contests, which means on a given day, the variance in a given day in baseball is, is, is dramatic, is on a given day. I'm going to be playing 160 slates. So that's, it's the same like we said about long term. Like when I play my vomit stacks, I know that 95% of the time they fail. I'm just hoping to make enough money the 5% of the time that they don't fail, that I win first place enough and I have a ton, ton of money at the end of the season. So everything is judged by the end of the season. So yes, it's 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 a high variant sport, which means that you shouldn't be taking day-to-day results so dramatically. That's why you also shouldn't be playing, you know. I'm going to play 20 plus percent of my bankroll. Eh, not in baseball. 3%, homie. 3%. Right. right. It's very, it's, it's high variance. So you have to judge your results over the course of the season. So I don't mind playing cash games over the course of a season. But on a given day, that's why I said it's frustrating for cash games because like you pick the wrong SB2 that are projected. So the SB2 versus outfield punt kind of 2v2 or something like that or the catcher. Right, those types of two beat that's going to make or break you in cash, and yeah. they're all projected. The you, you, the difference in the projection is 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 not it's nothing, and you're like, okay, well, one is point two per point two higher than the other, and in baseball, point two that, that's nothing, that's nothing, nothing. That's it's not like basketball, it's nothing. So it's like whichever side you're on, and that that's the one that wins, and then you have to move on to the next day. You're hoping at the end of the season you have like a fifty eight plus percent win rate, and you make some money over the course of the season, but, but yes, but cash games can be very frustrating in, in MLB. Okie doke. Now, now finally, we're coming to the end of the show and people are asking questions. How do you, how much do you factor in weather, wind, rain, whatever the, whatever the bat tells me? Yeah. Whether um, there are some parks that are more affected by weather, like it at Wrigley, if wind is blowing out 20 miles per hour, like that's, that's notable. That's something that you should care about. Um, for the most part, though, uh, like a lot of the stadiums are designed to deal with weather they get. Uh, 14 mile per hour wind out at 
the giant stadium doesn't actually matter that much because the park is designed to be against that. Um, but most of the time, you're not going to worry too much about weather. Most Other of the time, than if it's going to be a rainout, right? Or if it's going to be a rainout, like you, you do have to worry about that. But that that kind of stuff, like <laughs> even that last year, that was a frustrating thing with the Nationals because the Nationals will will make the worst decision possible when it rain, comes rain to out that. sunny day never rains who cares so dumb so right. you do have to worry about, a little bit about that but when you're making those decisions from a macro point of view like you're making that decision of like okay i know there's rain problems with washington i know there's rain problems with the brewers right you're you're looking at those games overall and saying okay those are some worrisome spots but some spots for a postponement yeah for postponement right those are the things you should worry more about or 20 plus mile per hour wind. You can care about that depending on whether it's in or out, depending on the park, but it's, it's very, very contextual and it's very situational. So I really only worry about postponed stuff. And even then, if it's kind of sketchy and people are going to be jumping off a really good team because of the weather, I might take a shot there just because I I think that there's going to be an ownership edge on, you know, the brewers who, can have good games. They have Yelich, they have Hura, they have, you know, they have some pretty good bats. If they're going to end up, if they were going to be popular, like 15 plus percent owned and the the game looks like it might get rained out and it's a little bit later, people are going to get off that game. And there's probably a little bit of ownership edge there. So it's all contextual, but mostly, mostly pay attention to postponement chances. Um, Outside of that, like projections will take into account. Yep. And we'll be talking about that. We'll be doing, it'll be MLB. Thursday onward, and we're going to get to the point. It's going to be mid-August, right? We're going to be saying, "Bring on NFL!" Bring on NFL! This is getting <laughs> not not because not going not because of shenanigans. That shenanigans in baseball don't happen until September, right? Uh, and then you start going. I'm I'm sick of this now. Uh, it's more of the fact that just it's a grind. Like MLB, it just becomes a a grind. It is a grind. Just like. Like, oh, the same order, the same day. It feels like feels like Groundhog Day. You're repeating the same five days over and over again. Kind of, you know. And and then you like, get then they get the sites that are like, oh, they forgot to price this team correctly, and then they're chalk and they fail, and then everyone bitches on Twitter. You know, like the worst, the worst thing is any time that the Orioles are facing the Yankees. Five days of just like, I don't want to deal with Glaber Torres. Oh, well, we get the BVP truthers. Yeah. Oh. And, well, we get the BVP truthers, and we also get, like, the two team years smashers, ago. The Orioles, he always hits this team. The Orioles were a walking course two years ago. Mm. And any time that they faced the Yankees, it was just another course slate. So what we would have, and now I'm tilting about MLB already, what we would have is the Yankees would be in cores and then cores would be in cores. And then you have to avoid two different cores because you're dealing with the freaking Orioles pitching staff. That was the worst, but that, you know, that, that happens later on in the season. Like every team has hope for a while and then a team is just a basement and now they're a walking course. So that, that gets a little bit annoying in the middle of the season, but we're going to be happy for the next month, Jordan. We're going to be, we're going to be having a good time for the next month because we're done with base with, basketball and we're on to baseball i'm gonna make my lineups with those like little cocktails with the 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 umbrellas in it because yeah i feel yeah. like you're on vacation like, is, like yeah. oh lineups come out and i get to actually build lineups and and like oh it's seven uh, oh oh like like i could watch the games and like not care about switching my teams because half a team sits for no apparent reason like oh this is 
This is brilliant. Yeah. What a this good sport that they made up. This baseball. Every, this, every this is a pretty good sport. This. Basketball. They should send back to the send back to the manufacturer and change yeah. it up again. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, so people can find you at paydirt underscore DFS. Uh, and uh, if people want to sign up for, for, for your model, obviously that's available, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can find me at paydirt underscore DFS. Um, I'm going to retweet a, a link to my most recent article. It's a, it's a total MLB breakdown talks about, pretty much anything that you need to know about MLB DFS. Um, if you're a beginner or if you just want to read through some funny writing, uh, I'm a pretty funny guy. So uh, I will link that. You can find all of my work over at paydirt.ghost.io. I still, no, have no, you still haven't gotten that. Still haven't gotten it. I'm working on, on MLB. Okay. Like, let me, let me work. Um, I did just upload the baseball models as well. So last year they were still in Excel sheets and this year they are actually in web applications. So it looks a lot cleaner and, just getting ready for the season. Uh, 30 bucks a month for every single sport under the sun. And you can find me there. And you can find me on Twitter at Blender HD. Wish me a happy birthday. Buy the course. Buy theory at DFS.com. If you want to get me a birthday present, buy, just give me money. There you and go. Pay pound me money. Just take <laughs> my head to heads and, and just fill out an empty lineup. Like that's the best way. It, like I, I don't need gifts. I just need money. And I don't care if I have, and I already have money. I could always have more money. So you want to send me money for my birthday that's perfectly fine with me i don't mind but uh we'll be uh, tomorrow we'll, uh tuesday and wednesday we're gonna ha- i'm gonna have to talk about basketball and then thursday opening to then we're done uh, are people gonna be upset i don't know let me know if, if more people i mean obviously we could still talk about nba it just we could still review some lineups we could still do that but uh it, it's it's up to the youtube people so youtube people Hit that thumbs up on the way out the door. Keep my apple juice cold. And uh, and so so it'll be up to you guys. So if we talk more about MLB, then that's that's what the YouTube chat wants. You have to show up live, right? Because I'm here every weekday, Monday through Friday, 10, 10, 10, 11 a.m. Eastern for the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com. <laughs> <laughs>